This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. Good evening, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. It is Tuesday night in sunny Southern California. Well, it's not sunny because it's nighttime here. In fact, I saw a beautiful sunset on the way into the studios tonight. Always glad to share this time with you and everybody out there. Hey, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Instagram now. Um, I, I want more people also to go to my website, actually, which is AndreaKShow.com because I've got, I'm starting to get more uh, comments and emails from listeners there, and I really appreciate that so much. It's always an honor for me to have any interaction with you guys. I just really appreciate your support so much for the show. And everybody out there listening, hey, you know, tonight everybody's still talking about last night in the Iowa caucuses. And as I was on my way into the studio tonight, I was thinking, what has not been said yet on the Iowa caucuses? Um, I I think I I have a little bit left on my mind. I mean, I feel like pretty much the autopsy has been done on the caucuses for the most part. And everybody's starting to look at New Hampshire. One of the reasons why everybody's looking at New Hampshire is long before uh, any vote was cast or anything went down, you know, the people were kind of suspect is what it really means. Because as we've talked last night, when was the last time Iowa picked a winner? Well, I actually think that it did. It was really important for a variety of reasons. First of all, we went to bed last night not knowing who the clear winner was on the Democrat side. And if you look at it, I am still astounded that we have a state that really was a referendum on both sides for two things. It was a re-engagement on the Republican side for conservatism. I think I think everybody can kind of look and see that 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 was kind of a message that was sent on the Republican side. And on the left, you had two socialists fighting it out. And literally the irony of them fighting it out over a coin toss, I don't think it was lost on anybody. The absurdity of that, uh, you know, um, so many jokes were made about of it, you know, it, and it reminded me the first thing that came to my mind when I heard about this whole coin toss thing was, first of all, six times it took them to toss the coin and it kept landing on Hillary. I mean, what kind of weighted cheater dice factory did they get the coin from? Right. But of course, there was all kinds of jokes uh, today about, you know, socialists fighting over somebody else's coin. But it, it, what jumped out at me was the analogy of two sides of the same coin, because we all know that Hillary, she couldn't explain any more than Debbie Wasserman Schultz what the difference is between the Democrats and the socialists. So here we've got a state. And as of now, actually, you know, Hillary was declared the winner this morning, but even Bernie. See, Bernie is feeling the burn of the Clinton corruption machine, and he comes out today complaining that there was a lot of shenanigans going on and that um, I guess one of the precincts held out the results for like nine hours. I don't remember. I don't know if that was before the coin toss or after the coin toss. So he came out and said, actually, his campaign manager said, as an empirical matter, we're not likely to ever know what the actual result was. Well, you know what? Too bad for you, Bernie. You're the same guy who in a debate said that he was with a 
what he thought was the rest of America that didn't care anymore and didn't want to hear anymore about the email scandal. I guess you don't care about corruption, Bernie, typical liberal, right? You don't care about corruption, Bernie, until it affects you. Well, you know what? What she did affected everybody, and it certainly affected the national security of the United States of America and affected the lives of many operatives in the email scandal. What The corruption, what she did in Benghazi, left four people dead. And the Clinton Foundation and the money laundering that went on there has might have actually been a part of the Clinton machine that did some shenanigans with your vote count. And we're all affected as Americans by this. So shame on the Democrat Party uh, for actually what a mockery of our election system that you that's the best that they could come up with is a coin toss. That was, that was that's crazy. That's some craziness going on there. Somebody needs to do an autopsy on the Democrat Party and their voters and and the insanity that's going on there. A little perspective in terms of the Iowa caucuses in general, something I hadn't heard. Always trying to find something new uh, to share with you all. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. Here's some perspective. Uh More people actually voted on a Kim Kardashian tweet than voted in the entire Iowa caucus. While I laughed when I first heard that, I thought, boy, what kind of sad perspective is that of the American people? Although I will. And what's interesting about that is it was even record turnout. Record numbers of people came which made many people think was actually an indicator of a landslide for Trump. And as we all know, it ended up not being a landslide for Trump. Here's a little bit more perspective. So while more people voted for this Kim Kardashian tweet, I don't even know what was involved in that, um, there is – that may make it seem like Iowa really is kind of insignificant, in particular given the fact that I found out Ted Cruz only got one additional delegate over – Trump and Rubio, who ended up getting the same number of delegates. What kind of system is that? That's kind of odd to me. You would think that to the victor would get more spoils than that. But a forecasting project by economist David Rothschild shows, you know, what it does is it's it culminates, it aggregates a lot of these different online gambling sites, I guess. And to, of those who are willing to put up some money in a gamble who they think is going to win, they actually are betting on Rubio. After this, and this is a an, um, forecasting project called PredictWise, and they, like I said, they aggregate the betting markets, and they have Rubio at fifty four percent, Trump with a twenty six percent likelihood, and Cruz only thirteen, and which is really odd to me. And there really wasn't a whole lot of explanation as to why it came out like this. And I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this is because it kind of lends this whole thing to electability. When the last night on the show, we talked a lot about the entrance polls and what the people were indicating, what was important to them. We had exit polling. Now we understand what was most important of the people who voted, what was most important to them. The Cruz voters said the most important thing to them was that shared values. That was important to them. So I think Cruz was actually really smart than maybe when a lot of people said it was not smart on his part to attack Trump for the New York values. Now, of the Trump voters, the people who voted for him, 44 percent voted for for immigration reasons, which is still, you know, huge, huge issue for the American people. And when it came to Rubio, here's what I thought was really fascinating. Forty something percent said that the top issue for Rubio was for Rubio voters was electability. 
And I thought that was really interesting in terms of Rubio because, you know, maybe that's why this aggregate people, this project wise or whoever they are, maybe that's why they picked Rubio's 56%. You know, going into these Iowa caucuses, I kind of felt like there was starting to be a lot of murmuring, a lot of media created narrative to try to set him up and try to help push him into being in a surge, the Marco Mentum mode. And that's actually what ended up happening. I think some of it was the media creation. Some of it was, I think, the fact that Trump didn't do the debate, which set up a scenario where more focus came to be for put a a target on Cruz's back and gave Rubio an opportunity to shine. And he he overshot the expectation so much that that really that and the coin toss really became the two biggest stories of the day. How because he exceeded expectations so much. The flip side of that coin for the Republicans, by the way, was that Trump's loss was so big. So that was the coin for the Republican Party. And what's ended up happening is that there's like an infighting. The, the infighting among the conservatives started out being based. The infighting was about the definition of conservatism, and now it seems as though the infighting is becoming about the the definition of the establishment. And, you know, not only did Rubio defy expectations in terms of the results, but he did so because he overcame that label, which so many people were thinking of him, the label of the establishment candidate. Which is interesting that he overcame it because 51% of the entrance polls said that they wanted an outsider. And on top of it, of the late deciders, Rubio got 28% of the late deciders, which was 8% more than Cruz got, which was really fascinating to me. And I don't know how much of... All of it had to do with the Iowa voters looking at him and saying, "Okay, after the debate, you know, in which many people thought that that Cruz, that uh, Rubio had a phenomenal night, maybe because he overcame that establishment label in a way. Now, maybe they're thinking that he somehow might make him more electable. You know, I, I do think that he did a great job of not sounding so in the debate, not sounding quite as rehearsed and quite as salesman as he had in the past. He gave a great speech last night. Um, but I began to think in terms of, you know, why there's so much conversation about Rubio, about being the establishment candidate. Noah Dingley today uh, uh, said to me that tr- Trump's loss made him rethink Rubio, and now Rubio is his guy. Well, how could, you know, if if Rubio is the establishment guy, how could you be for Trump and be for Rubio? Well, I guess, because I guess what I'm trying to say is that it seems as though Rubio has kind of overcome the label of being the establishment guy. Now, why would that be bad to be considered the establishment guy? Because this is the year of the outsider. So then I got to thinking about, well, what is the definition of being establishment? Well, and why would that be bad? Because the establishment is part of the problem. And the problem is, is that we've got a party full of office holders who ran as conservatives and then turned right around and enabled and encouraged liberalism. Well, isn't that what we always thought that Rubio was? Wasn't that kind of the black mark on Rubio? That he did exactly that. He ran as a Tea Party candidate. Then when he got into office, he turned right around and 
started behaving differently. Well, that was the that was the word on Rubio, but then he got into the debate and he sounded so conservative, especially when describing how his faith played such a role in his life. He did a brilliant job with that. He also, in some ways, has turned out, he sharpened his skills to where he is now the most, in some ways, the most moving and inspirational and aspirational of the candidates when he's speaking. But you know what? It really has not it really has not made me forget about the gang of eight and what he did when he did take office because he ran as a Tea Party candidate and he turned right around and he and he became a part of the establishment. He joined the gang of eight in which he made his establishment bones by pushing the liberal conservatism brand known as Bushism, the, the same Bushism that proposed. What did, Bush, what did Bush and his compassionate conservatism propose? It proposed a pathway to citizenship, basically amnesty, as well as legalizing the people that were here. And, you know, he's gotten really good at the verbal jousting in which, oh, well, it depends on your definition of is, is. Well, I didn't give blanket amnesty. There was all these roadblocks. And, well, you really wanted legalization, too. And now he's done a brilliant job of pivoting around from making the immigration argument be about the gang of ISIS to try to take the attention off of the gang of eight that he was in, involved in. But, see, I haven't really forgotten about that because that was a a, a really – critical time for him as a Republican when you run as a Tea Party candidate and you get into office and you cozy up to the Chuck Schumers of the world, then you're going to be labeled as an establishment candidate. And with this critical election coming, what does it actually mean? Okay, so he, to me, he still gets the label of establishment candidate, something that now because he did really great in the debates, now that he did great in Iowa, the establishment and the media is now telling us he's no longer the establishment guy, and in part because they want to push that he's really the only one that can beat Hillary when it comes to the general election. So then it comes back to electability in terms of Rubio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at New Hampshire as we go forward, and we're going to start to, to, to get into a little bit more about the electability quotient, the electability factor. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero. 
we get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM eleven seventy, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight on this Tuesday night. Everybody got a hangover from them Iowa caucuses. It's just. It was crazy. Before the break, I was talking about the fact that there had been a lot of infighting going into the Iowa caucuses, a lot of a lot that was fueled basically between Trump and the Cruz campaign and National Review, and it became all about the definition of conservative and everybody fighting over who was the most conservative. And now that Rubio has done such an amazing job in Iowa, people are starting to question, well, where's really the establishment lane, especially as we're looking to go into New Hampshire, because that's where a lot of the establishment candidates supposedly have been campaigning. They kind of gave up on Iowa because, you know, Iowa Iowa has so much of the evangelical vote, a lot of traditionalists, and so that's where a lot of the establishment people are. And so the, the debate and infighting, if you will, has kind of morphed from a debate. It's still kind of there in terms of people arguing over the purity of conservatism and who's got the most conservative creds. And it's kind of morphed a little bit into, into a debate over the establishment because as Rubio did a really good job, people are now starting to kind of try to massage the label on him a little bit and say, well, you know what, maybe he wasn't quite as establishment as we thought he was. Well, you know, for me, first of all, I want to reestablish for myself and I think there's a lot of people like me out there. I say, first of all, anybody but Hillary, anybody but Bernie, anybody but Biden and Warren who's waiting in the wings, which is absolutely the scenario that they're hoping for. They are hoping, they know Bernie's not going to end up getting the, the nomination in the general. They, they are hoping, the Democrats are, in my opinion, that Miss Coronation, who thinks she deserves to be coronated, that, that indictment or not, that they're basically going to have her be forced out in one way or another, and then they're going to be able to swoop in with Biden and Warren, who have not had to go through a bruising primary fight. And so as we go forward in the general, we do really need to be thinking about who's the most electable at this point versus really who's passing the purity test. I'm still for the most conservative because I've been saying for a while that our our strategy going into these general elections, we've had the establishment from the GOP telling us we can't run a true conservative like Cruz. We have to have somebody who's a moderate so that we can appeal but the, to the to the independents and to the Democrats. But the problem with that is that when you're offering the same basic policies, but just with a little bit of different bow on it under the guise of, of re- the Republicans as the Dem lights versus the Democrats, you don't really give anybody a reason to vote. We've talked about this a million times. You've got to give a clear contrast. You've got to give somebody a reason to vote for you. And so to me, and even if we have somebody who can win, what is a win if they're going to get in office and do like we talked about and, and basically encourage or enable a liberal policy. So we need somebody who's electable. And we and, and I talked to, was talking about the definition of an establishment. What's the definition of electable? Rub, 44% of people who voted for Rubio voted because they thought he was electable. I don't know how much of that was because of the, the media establishment pushing him and trying to create the narrative around him as being the one who's most electable. Is it because he's charming? I've talked about, I think every candidate we have, by the way, whether establishment or the outsider or one of the governors or whatever, they're all human beings. That means every one of them is flawed. That means every one of them has an area of opportunity or one or more that they need to need to focus on. 
And I think that uh, Cruz, I've been honest, that I think he's got a little bit of a likability issue. I think what makes him a phenomenal attorney is what makes him a little bit rough around the edges, come across in a way that's not entirely genuine. I think he can be coached to do better. I think one of the things that Rubio uh, really showed people, and one of the reasons why I think they're looking at him as maybe being more intellectual is because his style is, you know, he's got that boyish charm. But what is electability? What does it really mean? And it's one of those intangibles that it's really hard to define, and it's really hard to say who is the who is going to be the most electable because one thing that none of us have is a crystal ball. Going into New Hampshire, New Hampshire is a very different state than Iowa is. I got a lot of family members in New Hampshire. One of them said to me today, when I see Cruz on the TV, the first thing that comes into my mind is that he's not electable. And I said, well, why? He's like, it just it, New Hampshire is one of these states, he says, where you can't be, you can't be too. You can't be too, too. You can't be too much in any one particular way. You can, and Cruz comes across as, as, and this is something Craig Sewing has said, has said to me, he comes across as such a hard liner, which I love. I love somebody who's like me and says, hey, here's, where I, here's what I believe in. And I believe in this so much that I'm willing to stake my life on it. And you can't, you can't shake me out of my position. So I love that there's somebody that is that strong in his conviction of the love for the Constitution and individual freedoms and individual liberties. But I think that the trick is to be able to express it in a certain way that's not completely off-putting to people. And so I think that's where electability can come into play because we've got to have somebody who can present a clear contrast for the voters so that they, they know exactly what they're voting for. Somebody who can present that contrast in a way that's completely articulates conservatism in a way that is inspirational, in a way that is aspirational, in a way that makes people, that is so persuasive, it makes people want to come to that side and be able to therefore reach the moderates and the Democrats, but also be willing and have the skill to go in office and actually govern as a conservative. Because for me, it's not a win if we got somebody who's going to go in and is just going to continue to perpetuate what's happening. New Hampshire, a lot of people are saying, Christy, you know, Christy and Kasich have been working hard in New Hampshire, and it's really, you know, kind of the final stop for them. Interesting, might be the final stop for Trump as well, because he really under- performed in Iowa. I think that his speech showed that he took it hard. I think that he was gracious. He only spoke for a few minutes. Um, I think that he gave a really nice speech under the circumstances. Hey, I'll buy a farm here. Thank you, Iowa. I thought he I thought it was really great. He got off the stage. When you've lost, that's what you do. You don't stay and try to hog the spotlight when you've lost. Tonight, he's going to be, the word is, and the reports are, is that he's going to be getting in a really key endorsement um, and it's coming from none other than Scott Brown, that uber handsome, moderate Republican who won in Massachusetts, but then for some reason, which still baffles me, how in the world he ended up losing to Elizabeth Warren, Miss Focahontas. How do you lose to somebody who's been lying? But that's that's how off the rails Massachusetts is. But he's very loved in the New Hampshire area. And it, 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 the word is, is that it should really give him a significant boost after what's happened in Iowa, um, he's still considered in that area. Um, he's just kind of a, 
He's kind of a moderate. He actually cast a vote in favor of the big spending bill of Obama, I believe it was, back in 2009. He has been a centrist on many positions. He actually has been in support of, for abortion rights as well as a ban on assault weapons. So that might be just the key endorsement that Trump needs. I think Trump also needs to get a better ground game going. I love the fact that, that we've got people from outside that want to come in and get involved in politics. I think that's great. I think the kind of the message is, at least for Iowa, the test of, of running a different kind of campaign, I think, didn't work particularly uh, well for him uh, in that regard. So I'm really excited now for New Hampshire because I don't think uh, Iowa has not predicted the winner of the nomination in the past, but I do think that it's shaking things up. And I think New Hampshire is going to be really interesting uh, going forward. And so I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited to bring you guys a candidate spotlight. I've I've got coming up the next segment. You're going to want to stay tuned because I've got Tom DeBocaro, who's who's going to be back on the Andrea K show, and he's running to replace Barbara Boxer here in California. A lot of people who listen to the show nationally might be thinking, why is Andrea bringing this guy back on again? Because everybody who you all vote in as a congressperson in Iowa or in Florida or in somewhere else in the country, they all vote on every bill. They, my Congress people here affect every one of you and vice versa. And he is brilliant. And I want, I sat down with him. I've, I've split up the interview with him into a few parts. Tonight, he's going to be talking about how the GOP in California, and so goes California, how the GOP in California and across the nation, how they can seize the agenda in the final year. I was really disturbed today to find out that Mitch McConnell is basically saying to the Republic, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to completely embolden. Here we, they were given a majority in the fall of 2014 to stop Obamacare and stop him with the, the government overreach through Obamacare and through the executive orders and amnesty. And the Republican Party has done nothing. They've done nothing since 2014. And now even worse, they're saying, we don't want to jeopardize the election. So we're just not going to stand up to Obama at all in the final year. Talk about a, a problem with the establishment. We have got to start getting some Congress people who will go to Washington and who will fight for us for limited government and for fiscal policy that will be a job growth, a, a fuel for job growth and job creation versus destruction. So stay tuned because we're going to come back from the break where I'm going to uh, play part one of my interview with Tom DeBocaro about the GOP strategy. And then I'm also going to have back with me. It's been a while since we've had her on. Della B is going to be here. So don't change that dial, folks. More of the Andrea K Show on the other side of the break. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. 
I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen & Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen & Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, Tom, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad to see you. You've been, like, traveling all around the state of California. It is a big state. Have you noticed yeah. that? Bless your heart. You've actually had to get away from t- the fabulousness of San Diego. Yes, and that's And mingle among the rest of California, but... <laughs> I bet you always look forward to coming back down here. I do. If I could start it all over again, my career, which is now decades old, Mm -hmm. I would have started here. But, you know, it's pretty cool going all over the state. There's some some amazing areas that that you need to see in your lifetime, and and Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed it. I've done over 1,200 events in California in the last, I'd say, 15 years. uh, And seen it from the Oregon border to the southern border, 54 of the 58 counties. So far, I still have Alpine, Modoc, Lassen, and Trinity to go. Where? Who? <laughs> They're up north. Oh, okay. Um, you know, California used to be a Republican state. I mean, Ronald Reagan came out of California. Is there? There and but the conventional wisdom today is that California's <clears throat> gone. I mean, it's lost to the to the Republican Party. Even if we win some occasional uh, seats in Congress. Um, you know, I'm still optimistic that somebody uh, can come in as a president and take the state and win it. And I think that the way that that can happen is with the right people in Congress doing the right things that are visible to the people in the state of California to, to re-energize the voters towards the Republican Party. Or am I overly optimistic? Well, you should always be optimistic. Otherwise, there's no point to living. But here's the reality. They never, the conventional wisdom was never that Texas would go Republicans someday either. Look, the, the problem today for Republicans in California is, by and large, they're not offering the voters a reason to vote for them. Mm-hmm. Take my two opponents in the U.S. Senate race. They're basically adopting the positions of the Democrats and saying, uh, I'm a likable guy, you should vote for me. But the Democrats aren't going to vote for Democrat policies in a Republican's voice because they have their own. I think for us as Republicans, if we want to be relevant in this state, if we want to govern the state again, we have to offer better policies than the Democrats addressing real problems today, like number one in poverty, ridiculousness of high-speed rail, the water crisis, those kinds of things. We have to have real policies for that, and that's why I'm running. Nationally, the mood, one of the reasons why I think Trump is resonating, and and I'm not the I'm one of many, many, many who have said this, is that the mood of the nation is people are angry. They're angry and they're scared. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't really like the Republican Party's response to the State of the Union. She said, oh, don't listen to the angry voices. We have a right to be angry. Uh, 
Is that the mood? What's the mood of Californians as you go around? I know the mood nationally as a whole. What's the mood of Californians, Republican and Democrat right now? Are they as angry and as scared as everybody else is in the nation? Depends on where you are. If you go to the places that are doing well because of high tech and other things like the San Francisco Bay Area, you don't have that the same sense of anger. If you go to the Central Valley, you you see anger across the board for a long period of time Mm -hmm. because it's government policies that have created the poverty in that area. It's not their lack of initiative, uh, and it's not even immigration that's the problem. Yeah, it's the man-made drought. We talked about that last time you were on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's worse than that. And a water crisis man-made. So it depends on where you are in the state. There are pockets that are doing well, and that's who the L.A. Times covers in the Chronicle. Mm -hmm. For a good portion of the state, the state with those portions where we get our ranking as number one in poverty, there, there's anxiety and there is angry that there's no solutions. They're not going to get those solutions, by the way, out of Kamala Harris or Loretta Sanchez because they're happy with the status quo. Mm-hmm. We need a candidate, I think, like myself, who's not happy with the status quo and wants right. different policies. Right. Well, people are angry and scared two, for two main reasons, I think. The war on terror and they're scared about the economics they're scared about their, their financial future, the financial future of the country, for their family. How are they going to— Well, I think but there's a third thing, and I know, you're going to agree with me. I know this. They're frustrated that the people in Washington don't seem to want to change policies and fix things. They just right. want to go along. Absolutely. So they should be concerned about all of those things. You know, two and a half years ago, I wrote a piece in Forbes uh, called Forget the Whining Republicans. Here's a, uh, a way to seize the agenda. There's there's no excuse for Republicans not having seized the agenda. They had the House Mm -hmm. for a long period of time. Now they have the Senate. And it's a really simple thing to seize the agenda instead of trying to run out the clock. And right now they just want to run out the clock and not offend people. And in the process, they're creating the most powerful lame duck president in our history, acting through executive order. Every month, the Republicans this year should put forth a reform bill on some government program that's not working. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Well, let's start with the VA. It's an absolute yeah. sin that you can come across the border illegally, get service in any hospital, but if a veteran has to wait in line at the VA mm-hmm. and not is not allowed to go to those other hospitals. So put together a VA reform bill, put it on the president's desk, leave Washington, go around the country and say, look, here's what the VA was supposed to be. Here's why it's not working. Here's why our reform will make it better. And here's how much money we save. And then next month, pick something else, the post office, whatever it is, the Department of Education, on and on and on. And then in November, you can campaign and say, look, here's the seven bills that we want to make government better, reduce its size, save you money. Barack Obama was against it. Hillary's against us. Put us in and we'll put those in and we'll vote those in. It's an easy way to seize the agenda, but we need new leadership in in Washington to do it. Why aren't they doing it? You know, leadership is actually rare. It's much easier to get elected and run or run and get elected than it is to be true leadership. And the, and the fact of the matter is, the throughout our history, or let me ask you a question, mm-hmm. Andrew. Do you I have know, a pop quiz? Do you have the poster of the great speakers of the House in history? <laughs> no. 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 That, no, that poster doesn't exist. Right. The fact of the matter is we don't get a lot of great speakers of the House. Mm-hmm. What, Henry Clay or Newt Gingrich in our, in our time? Fine. Right. But the reality is a lot of them don't exist. But it's, an, it's still an easy thing to do when you have both the House and the Senate. You got to you put on the gas and force them to react. Mm-hmm. 
So that was part one of my interview with Tom Del Beccaro, who I'm, uh, you know, I don't endorse everybody. I'm not even endorsing anybody in the presidential race, but I am endorsing Tom here to replace Barbara Boxer in, in California. Now, next week, you're going to hear Tom talk about his tax plan, his flat tax plan, which is actually, you know, he is, for an attorney, Tom actually does about the best job of explaining and articulating the value of fiscal conservatism and how it relates to business, in part because he's a business lawyer. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But our next guest is, well, you know who it is because you hear that music playing. It's none other than Della B, babies. Hey, baby. How are you? Welcome back, Della. It's been too long. Oh, I know, I know, but you know, you have to, you have to, you have to follow what's going on out there, and you know, I can't always be, you know, available. Uh huh. Because you got, you got to put on what a fright wig and some glasses and a Jimmy Durante disguise or something and go underground. Is that what you're saying? Right, I have to. That's how you get the best, you know, the best info. You have to, you know, go with it. Where the icky people are, and hang out. <laughs> you got to bump up against some libs up in yeah, La La Land. So what's the, what's yeah. the word up there? How are they doing? You know, usually this time of year we're in the primary season. Usually I'm hearing all kinds of crazy stuff going on from like Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins and all the usual crazy people. But I, I, it's been kind of quiet. Or am I just am I just well, insulated from the crazy? I think you've been insulated. You've probably been paying attention to the real stuff and not the fake stuff. But, you know, Hollywood and politics, they go together. They always have. Of course, Hollywood used to be a conservative town in the old days. And you had Hollywood elite that became patriots and went off to fight in World War II and, you know, you know, laid down their big jobs and cushiness. But today, you know, there's a lot of holding up signs and growing out space hair and acting like that's doing something. Yeah. I have broken down whoever has come out and put their name on somebody, though. I got it I got it broke out. We've got some people that haven't got any endorsements at all. Okay. But we got, but we, you know. Now, well, well, you know let, like, first of all, let me interrupt. When you say putting their name on it, do, are we, do we have any ink involved here? Well, any, we have people on tats? video that are, we have. Well, we don't have ink anymore. We have Twitter. Oh, you know, so they're putting it on their Twitter feed, and, and you know, well, you know what, you can Landon never. was in Iowa. She did phone bank. Oh, she did. See, I should have, I knew it. Susan Sarandon is always out. Wherever there is a commie, you will find Susan (laughs) Sarandon. Okay, she was probably one flipping the coin. Well, could be no. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't. I know she was calling. She she got the hot for Bernie Sanders. She says Clinton has let her down. That she doesn't want to be told to vote with her genitalia. So she's still in the And you burn. know what? Well, you know what? Her genitalia is almost 70 now. And even though she's had a lot of good work done, okay, it might be time to retire that because nobody's hiring her to show that on TV, on, on camera anymore anyway. So. Oh, but honey, she caused a big old stir on the red carpet with her cleavage the other night in the, at SAG Awards. So she's still looking, you know, she, she cleans up pretty good. Emphasis on the you word know. SAG, though, when we're talking about 70-year-old cleavage. <laughs> You said it, I didn't, honey. Well, I have the low down because there are a lot of people. Mia Farrow. Can you guess who she's in bed with on this deal? Hey, she's already been in bed with Woody Allen, okay? Do we really care who she's in bed with now? But go on. (laughs) Frank Sinatra. Did you forget she was married to Frank Sinatra? Well, at least Frank was. like a 12-year-old boy. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Makes you wonder about him. Yeah. But she says that she has worshipped Bernie Sanders forever. Mia Farrow did? Mia Farrow. She also said, she's kind of cray-cray. She also said this was the year of Sanders and Amy Schumer, but not necessarily together. Or in that order. <laughs> or in that order. <laughs> has she has she Although, been drinking whatever Amy Schumer is obviously been swilling? I mean, come on. I don't know. Amy Schumer is not in um is not in that camp. She's in the Clinton camp, but anyway. Oh, um, okay. All right. Yeah, so it's funny. But Mia also said that, you know, Jeb Bush is smart and he's a voice of uh, reason in the rabid GOP candidate mix. Well, beware, so, beware, Republicans. Or anytime anybody put, pushes a candidate, it should be the kiss of death. We had New York Times pimping out, pushing out Kasich, okay? Which mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully Kasich, you have, yeah. Kasich doesn't have any celebrity endorsements, but he says that if he becomes the president, that he's going to reunite Pink Floyd, so they can sing the the track to the the movie, uh, the the music from their the wall. And okay. he's gonna start with the the song Money. Well, you know what, Kasich, the wall that you're running into in terms of continuing any forward in your campaign is in New Hampshire. And I think he's hitting that brick wall come next week this time. I think we're going to be reporting that he's done a face plan against that wall and it's time to go back to, you know, Cleveland or wherever the heck he's from. In the last minute or so we got left, any other key endorsements? I got to know who's okay. share endorsing. Who is share endorsing? That's what everybody I wants to know. I haven't heard come out on anybody, but I can give you a quick rundown. For Sanders, you've got the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You got Jackson Brown, you know, he abused Daryl Hannah. Yeah. You got Dave Matthews, you know, they got in trouble for dumping their, their poo into the Chicago River. You got Michael Moore. For Clinton, you've got Lena Dunham, child molester, yeah. and also your all around good skank. Yeah. You've got Ariana Grande, who's a fake Latina who hates America and Rick's donuts. Yeah. You've got Snoop Dogg and George Clooney, of course. Hey now, hey Dunham. now. Y'all know that I'd love me some Snoop Dogg, 90s gangster mm-hmm. rap. Okay, so I got to give the Snoop a pass on that. Yeah, but he's in the Clinton corner there, not going for At Sanders. least he ain't in Sanders' corner. Okay, go on. Right. Well, you know, okay, Kid Rock, can you guess who he endorsed? Trump. Ben Carson. No. <laughs> that's Ben's one and only celebrity. Oh, this well, you know what? That's a, a good one, though. Fans. Yeah. Who'd have thunk that the man who I, did he did he and Pamela Anderson ever get married or were they just an item at one? I thought they got married. They did at not one get point. married. They were engaged. I think they it was did. broken off. Now you're going to know. I uh, just a couple more. All right. Well, thirty Cruz, seconds. Thirty seconds, and we got to get out of Cruz has only got two. He's got James Wood and Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty, okay. and then Trump has got Mark Cuban, the billionaire uh, Shark Tank guy. Yes. Uh, Jesse James, Wayne Newton, and Gary Busey. They're all over the place. Oh, well, and he's also got Willie. Doesn't he have Willie from Duck Dynasty? No, yeah, he's got Willie, but the other one is in... Um, in with, uh, the other one's in with Cruz. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm, Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know a man uh, by the company he keeps, and I got to tell you, Sanders is one crazy... Dude, okay, wake up, America. Hey, thank you, Della, for bringing us all the, for for doing what you do, for doing the dirty work and being willing to bump bump against the crazy. 
to bring it yeah, here I'm to gonna, the Andrea K. Show. I'm gonna up, I'll update it as we go along. All right, Della. Love you. Love you. My babies. All right. Thanks so much, Della. Hey, stay tuned. We got more of the Andrea K. Show on the other side of the break. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. The call is stumming Monday. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. It is the final segment of the Tuesday night Andrea K Show. I've had a great time here tonight. Ooh, that Della B. She sure <laughs> she cracks me up with what she's doing out there. And I'm glad to have a little laughs as I go into my final segment here because, you know, um, so much discussion about the caucuses and everything that's going on and so much strategy discussion that I think we've we've kind of missed talking a little bit about policy and different issues. That's why I wanted to get into discussion last night about what happened in Oregon, because we've got a government overreach that is just so seeping into everybody's lives that we actually have American ranchers, which is just talk about Americana that are being squeezed out, being com- literally being imprisoned for just trying to do nothing but operate their ranch on land that they're legally leasing from the government. And these are the kind of stories that are kind of getting lost. One story that jumped out at me, because, you know, it's hard for me to do a week where I don't talk about the greatest threat that we face as a nation, and that is the threat of radical Islam. And it is, whenever I hear a story of this, it shocks me that this is happening in the United States, given what happened here on September 11th in 2001. So Barack Obama, who we weren't allowed to ask or talk about his Muslim upbringing and whether or not it mattered, let me tell you why it matters. Give me an example of why it matters. Because he's a Muslim sympathizer, and how do I know? And and, and whether or not he actually prays to Allah doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is we have a president of the United States who actually is going, he's, he's, he has not visited a mosque since he's he's been president. Now, he had the Muslim Brotherhood on the front row when he gave his Cairo speech in 2008 where he declared that he was a, a, he was a citizen of the world. He sent a letter to the mosque in Oklahoma that produced 
the Muslim terrorist who beheaded a woman and was in the process of trying to behead another one and sent them some, I can't hear, some glowing thank you letter for their contributions uh, to, Amer- to, to America. You know, that he's gone on the National Day of, of Christian, I think it was National Prayer Breakfast, in which he criticized Christians and brought up the uh, Crusades. But he hasn't, he actually hasn't gone to visit a mosque. Now, I think the U.S. government should be visiting mosques in terms of investigating what's going on there. So President Obama, but we can't do that because that's, that's racial profiling. So President Obama has decided to visit a mosque for the first time. And which one did he decide to visit? He decided to visit the mosque, the Islamic Society of Baltimore, to, quote, celebrate the contributions of Muslim Americans, the contributions they make to our nation, and reaffirm the importance of religious freedom to our way of life. This with what is going on in the nation. More reports coming out today, the threat that we face. And the threat that we face is the ideology of Islam, and it is not a religion. This is why we have got to have a Republican Party and a candidate who's willing to call it out. Rick Santorum was the only Republican presidential candidate who came out and said it is a political system that we face with a religious component. Until we start doing that and having that discussion, we're never going to be able to deal with it because we have— a president of the United States going to this mosque. This mosque is a member of a network of mosques controlled by the Islamic Society of North America, which was an unindicted co-conspirator in, in, to, co-conspirator in the 2008 Holy Land Foundation terror case. Please go to the dailycaller.com, which is where you know we get more true information from sites like that versus our own mainstream media. This article was from January 30th. The ties... From the imam there, this guy El Sheikh, his ties all throughout. While in Baltimore, that Sheikh, he was the regional director of the Islamic American Relief Agency, actually provided funds to Osama bin Laden. These people have direct ties to Osama bin Laden, who flew, funded and flew airplanes and on September 11th. Going here to this mosque is basically giving a... a a hug to the very people and sending the signal to them, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And I'm not hearing this any, anywhere. I read this on the Daily Caller. I'm not hearing it from the Republican Party or any of the candidates. I'm hoping in New Hampshire we're going to start hearing more about this. This is, this is an outrage to me. I only got a couple minutes left. Hey, guess what's coming this weekend? I'm super excited about this weekend. I can't wait till I get to come back to the show and tell you all about my weekend because this weekend is the Super Bowl. My prediction is that, yes, Peyton Manning is going to retire after the Super Bowl, but he's going to retire, unfortunately, with another loss under his belt because I don't think there's anybody stopping Carolina this weekend. I think they're going to be rolling all over the Denver Broncos this weekend, and that is going to be super fun to watch. It's also the weekend going into Mardi Gras. So my buddy, my gal, my girl Liz, my sister by choice, Ashley has a king cake coming from my, to, to my home on Friday. So I'm going to have a little Mardi Gras celebration at my house this weekend. That's on Friday. On Sunday, I got the Super Bowl. And then on Saturday, actually, I'm going to be watching, yeah, we got a debate coming up this Saturday. And I am hoping, I'm begging the Republican Party, I guess it's going to be on ABC to talk about this. Where is the courage? Call out President Obama for going to this mosque. Call out exactly who is involved in this mosque, what their ties are. Call him out publicly. Call out Hillary Clinton for this.
Demand an answer for why they are going there. That's what I'm asking of the Republican Party. And I'm asking you all to keep this conversation rolling with me. Follow me on Twitter at, at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Go to my website, andreakshow.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday and Tuesday night right here on AM 1170 KCBQ, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Love you all. Have a great night. News talking this and that. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group.